0: to give today is the third part on my uh, messages on the fear of the Lord, foundation of wisdom. And I because I haven't spoken on this for several weeks, I just thought I'd do, do a little bit of a quick recap on what I covered in the first and second part. Um, you know, our, our wisdom is very, it's only from one point of view, right? Our perspective, the way where we see things from is only from our limited perspective, whereas God sees from every perspective he sees from. Our perspective he sees from. Someone else's perspective he sees from, like, everywhere. And so that's why it says in Isaiah 55, 8 to 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so God's saying there that, you know, it... His wisdom is far greater than ours. And the cool thing is that he's given us a written book of wisdom as well, the Word of God. And in Proverbs 9.10, this book of wisdom says, and this is from the New Living Translation, the fear of the Lord is the foundation or beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. And so the fear of the Lord is something actually that we... We really need to have an understanding of a revelation of, and in part one I talked about the four. There are four types of fear that are not the fear of the Lord. The first one is our natural fear that we feel. Um, it's a survival mechanism. It's an emotion. Um, it's it's not that. That's not what I'm talking about when I'm saying fear of the Lord. Uh, also, it's not demonic fear because demonic fear is a real thing as well, you know, and that is caused by demonic spirits. There are spirits of fear. And the the Spirit's uh, intent is to paralyze and torment and bring anxiety as well. But the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. And, you know, Jesus delegated his authority to us, so we as believers do not have to put up with demonic fear at all. It's also not religious fear either. It's not based on rules and punishment. Um, Because that's not the obedience that God desires. He doesn't want us being obedient just because we're afraid of what he might do. Uh, Instead, God desires obedience given freely by us. And it's also not the fear of man. So that's where we place more importance or reverence on what man thinks than on God. So in other words, it's being afraid of what people think of us. And that can stop us obeying God, and it's not a good thing. But the definition of the fear of the Lord is a deep respect or reverence of God. It's a deep awe of God's power and authority where we love and revere him so much that we don't want to displease him. So why do we need the fear of the Lord? Because it's the starting point for gaining God's wisdom, as I said before in Proverbs 9.10. In Proverbs 4.7, it says it's the principal thing. That means it's first in order of importance. So... What is our motivation? Is it to serve God or to self-serve? And uh, our world, which is a lot of us, you know, a lot of people in this world are without God. The focus of this world is on pleasing self. But our motivation should be on pleasing God. And when we fear the Lord, it generates in us an attitude of submission to God. And so that's where it becomes important to deny ourselves. And in Luke 9:23, Jesus said, so it's Luke 9:23, "If anyone would come after me," in other words, if anyone would follow him, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me." So there's three things that we need to do. The first thing is deny ourselves. And to deny ourselves means to say no to our selfish desires and wants. And sometimes what we desire does line up with what God wants. But to deny ourselves is, is to say no when it doesn't line up with what God wants. The second point is to take up our cross daily. To take up our cross means to surrender our will and what we want to God's will. So after we say no to what we want, then we should say, what does God want? And what does God's word say about this? And what is God's will in this situation? And then the third thing is follow him, and that just means put it into action. So when we willingly give up our own wisdom, our own strength, our will to do as we please and satisfy our desires, and stop trying to be self-sufficient... That's the moment when we die to self. And Jesus said it's something we need to do daily because our tendency is to always think of ourselves, isn't it? I'm only saying this because I experienced it. (laughs) Um, So what does it mean to surrender to God? It means to stop fighting against what God's will is for our life. It means to give up control of our own life and hand over that control to God. And that's something that I think probably we all find difficult to some degree because it's our default setting is to control our lives. But when we hand over to control to God, that's exactly what it is. It's handing over the control to him. So we're no longer in control. James 4 verses 6 to 7 says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. So submitting to God is surrendering to God. And surrendering to God requires humility. So, if we want to receive God's grace, we have to humble ourselves before God and men. And we've all faced situations where we've had to humble ourselves, although the resolution to a conflict is to humble ourselves, whether we choose to do it or not, was up to us. Um, But when we do humble ourselves, it says uh, God gives grace to the humble. And humility opens the way up for God to move in our life. And so today what I want to focus on is I want to talk about pride versus humility. And I want to talk start talking about it by talking about spiritual laws. Now, in our physical world, there are natural laws which are true, and if we try to break them, we quickly realise that those natural laws hold true. For example, if I... um, Let's just say I climbed up this... Let's just say I climbed up the, um, whatever you call that, the thing that the lights are attached to, and I somehow shimmied along. (laughs) And then I thought, I'm gonna just fly around the room now. The law of gravity, the natural law of gravity would bring me down to the ground very quickly, wouldn't it? Despite what I thought, despite thinking, I'm just going to fly around the room, but no. (laughs) And thinking about aeroplanes, you know, they can temporarily offset the law of gravity. They utilise lift and thrust to counter the weight of the aeroplane and the drag that it creates as it passes through the air. So the shape and the size of the wings help create the lift while the forward push or the thrust is created by either propellers or jet engines. But if for some reason the lift isn't sufficient or the thrust isn't sufficient, um, or for example, if the plane runs out of fuel or a wing is damaged, then the natural law of gravity comes into play, doesn't it? And so, uh, that plane wouldn't be able to stay in the air because it's no longer able to continue. And, and, and as we know, aeroplanes don't stay in the air forever. Hey, They just go from one place to another, refuel, and then go again because they can't stay there forever because of the law of gravity. And it's a natural law that works every time, so it can't be escaped. And so just as those natural laws are present, and that's just one of them, Spiritual laws are present as well, and they apply everywhere. And we can't escape them just like we can't escape the law of gravity. We might be able to offset them and and, and avoid them for a wee while, but we we can't avoid them altogether. And one of these spiritual laws, or one or two you could maybe say, is found in Matthew twenty three, thirteen. And it's actually repeated Three times, the exact same wording is used in Matthew, uh, as in Matthew twenty three thirteen, is repeated in Luke fourteen eleven, and also Luke eighteen fourteen. And it's the exact same words. And Jesus said, "Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted." So this law has been in effect. In fact, all spiritual laws have been in effect since the beginning, since before the beginning. We're, <laughs> we're born into a world that has a beginning and has an end, and the Bible says that you know, God says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, but God was always there. Time is something he created. And so spiritual laws have always been there. And Proverbs 18.12 in the Living Bible re- repeats a spiritual, this particular spiritual law in a different way. It says pride ends in destruction, humility ends in honor. So, And do you know that the spiritual law of pride and humility, they're both closely related to the fear of the Lord. So I'm going to talk first about the spiritual law of pride. Now, pride is thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to. And pride can express itself through arrogance. It can express itself through willfulness. You know, um, when I say willfulness, it's like, I'm going to do this. And I don't care what you think. Um, It can express itself through being stubborn as well that can express itself through insolence, scoffing, <clears throat> mocking, and there's other things as well. But pride is where your will for your life is more important than God's will for your life. And pride is a sin. And I'm not talking about the pride of, you know, looking after yourself, you know, taking pride in your appearance. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the sin of pride where your are you're, you're thinking of yourself much more. Your your opinion about what you want is more important than than what God wants. And the sin of pride leads to rebellion, and that's what happened to Lucifer. He fell because of pride. And I'm going to read to you some scriptures out of Ezekiel 28. I've got a couple of them to put up on the screen, but I'll read uh, a few other verses prior to that as well. So Ezekiel 28... We'll start in verse 12. So this is talking uh, about Lucifer. um, It says here, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, um, sardius, onyx and jasper, sapphire, turquoise and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. So it's describing Lucifer. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor, I cast you to the ground, I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you and I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. Okay, so that's verses 12 to 18. So that created being is describing uh, Lucifer. It was, he was an anointed cherub. He would walk back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. He was created with timbrels. Um, and in verse 17, notice it says, Your heart was lifted up. That's pride. It is. And it says, You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. That's pride. As well And verse 18 says You defiled your sanctuaries By the multitude of your iniquities By the iniquity of your trading And the root of the rebellion in heaven Was pride Now I want to talk for a moment about The meaning of iniquity Uh, Iniquity is much more deep seated than um, Missing the mark Which is um, sometimes the definition given to sin um, so, an example of missing the mark could be, um, you know, like uh, making some kind of it, like st- doing something but without intending to, but sinning in some way, maybe telling a, little, a lie or something like that. Um, transgression is choosing to intentionally disobey God. So, that's where uh, you're faced with a situation. Possibly that you're not expecting, and you get, and you know God's word, and, and you know what God would want, and yet you don't choose that. That's what transgression is. But iniquity is premeditated choice, without repentance. So that's where you know the word of God, and you say, "What I want is more important than that, and I'm not going to do that, what the word says. And the Bible says, this is the amazing thing, the Bible says that God forgives iniquity. Isn't God amazing? He forgives all our sin. He forgives all tra- our transgressions. He forgives all our iniquities when we repent. We have to repent. So we need to repent. So the Bible says that God forgives iniquity when we repent. Now, repenting means turning away from the sin. Okay, So Hebrews 8.12 says in the King James Version, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. Isn't that amazing that God forgives even the premeditated stuff that we choose to willfully do? When we repent, God will forgive us of that. But do you know what? Lucifer didn't repent. In fact, he dug his heels in and he started telling tales to the other created angels around him, and that led to their sin as well. And in verses 16 and 18 of Ezekiel 28, the word trading is used, and I wanted to mention that too, because just so you understand what that's meaning. The King James Version uses the word traffic, and uh, looking at the Hebrew meaning, it means to go to and fro. So the word trading or trafficking means to go to and fro backwards and forwards as one would as if they were trading in goods Um, lucifer was trading or you could think of it as spreading untrue reports about god and about himself he was saying i'm going to be this and god's only this which was untrue and so he was trafficking or spreading untrue reports or lies and it says in the Bible that he is the father of lies. Um, and he, yeah, he is the father of lies. You know, pride Pride is all about I will as opposed to Lord, your will be done. And by spreading those untrue reports, he spread rebellion. And to, just to back up the, the, what I've said about Lucifer, Isaiah 14 Um, verses 13 to 15, I've got it here actually, describes the result of the spiritual law of pride and what happened to Lucifer. It says, for you, this is talking about Lucifer, you've said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will. So notice he's saying what I want, this is what I want. Not what you want, God, this is what I want. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And then in verse 15, the consequence of Lucifer's pride is his fall, and it says, You shall be brought down to shoal to the lowest depths of the pit. And this was rebellion against God and his will. And so this spiritual law applies to Lucifer just as much as it does to us. And you know, Lucifer's no longer called Lucifer. He's called Satan, which means adversary or one who resists. That's interesting, eh? He was resisting the will of God. So we might think, I'm not proud like Lucifer. But we need to constantly reflect I think, daily on our attitude because it's actually really easy to harbour pride in our heart. So talking now about the spiritual law of humility, um, God sees pride as a sin to be avoided at all costs. And it's interesting because in in the model prayer that Jesus gave us um, in Matthew 6, Surrender to his will comes before asking for our needs to be met. It comes before asking for forgiveness. And I just want to turn there. So Matthew 6. If you've got your Bible, you can have a look. Matthew 6, um, we'll start at verse 9. So this is Jesus speaking. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Your will be done. That's talking about surrender. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then it goes on to say, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those, you know, and so forth. So he's saying to start by magnifying God and then humble ourselves, surrender to him, surrender to his will. That's actually, that was a revelation to me when I discovered that. And this is one of God's irrefutable laws. When we humble ourselves, God gives us grace. And God has revealed to us many times in his word that the importance of denying ourselves and surrendering Him to him and being humble. 1 Peter 5, verse 5 to 7 says, likewise, you younger people, submit to yourselves. That means be humble, not insisting on your way. So it says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another. In other words, be humble, not thinking uh, that you're better than or more important than. And be clothed in humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. That's actually really cool, eh? So God gives grace to the humble. So the spiritual law is that if we can humble ourselves, if we can surrender, he'll do the exalting. We don't need to exalt ourselves. God will exalt us in due time. In the right time, that means. And we can cast all our care, everything that bothers us, everything that you know, we, we're wanting, we can cast all of that onto God. You know, we can give our desires to God, and he can say, he might say yes to some of them. But he knows the best for us, and that's where that trust in God comes in. So how do we humble ourselves? I've got four points for you. First of all, decide to be humble. 1 Peter 5, 6 tells us to Humble ourselves. So it just takes a decision of our will to humble ourselves. Humility is actually an attitude of the heart. Actually, pride is as well. We just choose which one we, we have. So it's an attitude of the heart, and we can do that ourselves. So remembering the fear of the Lord is a deep respect or reverence for God where we don't want to displease him, and, and that requires humility because sometimes our will can be quite strong. Eh? The second point is be teachable, be willing to learn from the Holy Spirit. Psalm thirty four eleven 11 um, says, Come you children, listen to me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And in John fourteen twenty six, it says that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. So to get rid of pride and have the fear of the Lord, we can't have pride and the fear of the Lord at the same time, by the way. It's impossible. Um, But to have the fear of the Lord, we need to be willing to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Listen to him and then put it in action. So we can ask him to do that. First of all, we choose to humble ourselves. And then secondly, we can say, Holy Spirit, teach me. I want to listen. I want to learn from you. Help me to hear what you're saying. And the the third point is be teachable. Again, be teachable, but this time, be willing to learn from the ministers God's appointed in your life. And so this might involve adjusting your attitude toward them. You know, God has appointed people of his choosing in the body of Christ to shepherd and to minister. And the Holy Spirit might actually want to teach you through your pastor um, or an evangelist or an apostle or, you know, that kind of thing. But, and we need to be open to this. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. That means be humble. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. So clearly this verse is talking about ministers of God. It's not talking about um, government or local government or police or anything like that because they don't give account. To God for your soul, do they? The ones that give account to God for your soul are the pastors, and that's Pastor Peter and I. And um, and so one day we're going to have to give account to God for our shepherding of the flock, which is you guys. And uh, and so that 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 is a very important thing that we take really seriously. Um, you need to be. For us to pastor you, though, you, you need to be willing to be pastored by us. And um, the fourth point, and this is the last one, is very important, though. Just because it's the fourth point doesn't mean it's not important. Submerse yourself in the Word of God. You know, we, Having the Holy Spirit is wonderful, but we must be grounded in the Word of God. We must be. Because otherwise we can become flaky. Okay. No. Um, Proverbs 2 verses 1 to 5 says My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands See that's talking about the word of God So that you incline your ear to wisdom And apply your heart to understanding If you cry out for discernment And lift up your voice for understanding If you seek her as silver In other words as something of value And search for her as for hidden treasures There's so many hidden treasures in here I haven't found all of them. I've found some of them. But the Holy Spirit reveals them to us. And we can ask him, Lord, reveal more to more of your word. And, and we, can, we can look in the Bible and read something five times and every time it can be something different that we get revealed to us. then it says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So it's so important. So those four points, decide to be humble. That's something we can do ourselves. Be teachable, willing to learn from the Holy Spirit and willing to um, hear from the people God's placed over you And, and submerse yourself in the word of God as well. And so I just wanted to challenge you today, um, you know, God, for us to, to see God move, we need to have a fear of the Lord, we need to have humility, we need to have submission, surrender to the Holy Spirit, and you know, today, today's praise and worship was wonderful, thank you to the band, and, to, and Darcy was leading in the band for, for leading us into praise and worship, but I want to say this, that it's not just the band's responsibility because we all have, we all come with a heart attitude to church. We all come with something. And if, we, if it's something that's not good, it affects the atmosphere here. And I'm sure Darcy and the band will attest to this, that sometimes it's hard slog up the front and I can say it as, as a preacher as well you know we have to be willing to bring our supply and that means that when we come to church we need to be prepared, we need to have prepared ourselves before we come it's important that we that we can because if we come with wrong attitudes we can actually hinder the Holy Spirit moving and that applies to everybody especially if you're Um, if you call this church home so the visitors I'm not talking to (laughs) but the people that call centre church home it's really important that we prepare our hearts that means praying that means spending time in his presence that means getting rid of the cares of the world actually the cares of the world and that's why God says cast all your care on me for I care for you because we do impact the atmosphere. And don't we want to see healings happening in here? Don't we want to see God's, God moving? Don't we want to see miracles? Don't we want to see people delivered and set free? Yes, we do, eh? And so we actually all have a part to play in that. It's not just Pastor Peter and my responsibility. It's not just the band's responsibility. It's not just Gordon and Margaret praying their, their responsibility and the other prayers, which we all should be prayers. It's everybody's responsibility. And I am excited because I know that we, when we all get this, we're going to see God move mightily in our church. And, uh, and I see the day coming where people will be rushing to be here, where they'll be waiting for the doors to be unlocked, <laughs> where there'll be a big crowd outside waiting for the first person to turn up with the, with the swipe card. <laughs> There's angels here right now and, and we can, you know, the presence of the Lord is here And he wants to do so much But we impact what he can and can't do And so that's why it's so important We really get hold of the fear of the Lord And the, and the need to surrender to him So I want to give an opportunity for anybody that doesn't know Jesus and I can't see very well in here because of the darkness and the light. <laughs> but uh, please come and see me if you if you have never if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior personally, He's waiting there, and He He's such a cool person to get to know. He's such an amazing God because He just wants to bless you. So. Um, if you're feeling like, if you've never actually made that decision or you've made it before and slipped away, I want you to put your hand up because I want to pray with you and uh, lead you in a prayer of, of uh, rededication or salvation. Um, and in, in addition, if there's anybody here that would like prayer of any kind, um, well, let's just allow space for the Holy Spirit to move now as well. And the leaders can pray. But I'm just going to lead everyone in a prayer. Um, Is there anybody that wants to pray a prayer of salvation? Put your hand up. Okay, can't see any hands. That's fine. You can come and see me afterwards if there is anyone here. Otherwise, um, Pastor Peter and I and Pastor Robin and Taka be happy to pray with you. Um, Come on forward if you would like some prayer. But Father, I, I just thank you, Lord, for your anointing. Father, I can feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit right now. And I thank you, Lord, that your presence is here to heal. Your presence is here to set free. Your presence is here to, um, to bring life. And so we thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. And I pray blessing and life over every family represented here. We declare salvation. We declare life over every family member that does not know you, and we call them in. Call them into the body of Christ in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. Invite people to church. Invite people to church. If you'd like prayer, please come forward. Let's just keep that atmosphere of honour to to the Holy Spirit, and, uh, and we'd be happy to pray with you.